With the new X series of scratch-offs from the New York Lottery, you can multiply your winnings up to 100 times the X series from the New York Lottery. It's a better way to multiply. You must be 18 years or older to purchase. Please play responsibly. In this week's episode of Bill's Pod Squad, we've got a round table featuring Eric Wood, Steve Tasker, and Chris Brown. The guys help me look ahead to free agency and discuss their top three needs and one want for the Bills. They also share stories of some of their favorite free agents to come to Buffalo. And we play a fun game of who's in your phone. The guys name their most famous contact in their phone. You don't want to miss this week's episode of Bill's Pod Squad starting right now. Welcome into this week's episode of Bill's Pod Squad presented by the New York Lottery. Maddie Glab here is your host with a wonderful crew for a roundtable episode today. I'm joined by Eric Wood, Steve Tasker, and Chris Brown, who can all be heard on One Bills Live and seen on Buffalo Bills social media and the website. Guys, we have hit the dog days of the offseason. There's been a lot of news and at the same time, not so much for the Bills, which could be a good thing but it also could be a bad thing. J.J. Watt is headed to Arizona for some of the Bills fans and Bills Mafia, maybe a little bit upsetting that he won't be headed to Buffalo. Uh, A bunch of other things, Matt Stafford and Jared Goff switch places. Deshaun Watson wants out. Russell Wilson was giving names of teams that he would be traded to, but he doesn't want to leave right now. It's been interesting, but happy month of March, guys. We are less than three weeks away from free agency. Let me get some first takes on the table that has been set according to what's happened in the previous month. Uh, What do you guys think about this J.J. Watt move to uh, the Arizona Cardinals? Well, I guess I'll start. We were surprised that Arizona had not been on the radar. And, of course, everybody was having a lot of fun trying to decipher and read the tea leaves about who J.J. Watt was going to go to and and leaving clues and trying to figure out every tweet about what cryptic clue was inside. That nobody had Arizona. Yeah, nobody had Arizona <laughs> Cardinals on their radar. But I think that the number that he signed for tells you all you need to know. I think the Bills were in it till the end. And I think from what the sound of it, uh, the Bills were in it till the end. And the only thing that kept them from getting it was the fact that Arizona jumped up and gave him a big number. I don't think the Bills were going to give him that kind of number. I think the Bills were going to give him a smaller number with some incentives some incentives that were probably easy to reach, other incentives that would have depended on team success and his participation in that, um, that would have given him a chance to hit a home run, maybe financially if the team won the Super Bowl or got to the AFC Championship game again, that kind of thing. But for a team to jump up and give him $15.5 million and guarantee him $23 million over the course of the two years of the deal, uh, J.J. can't say no to that. There's no hard feelings anybody in Buffalo Bills country should have against J.J. Watt. A guaranteed $23 million. Hey, tip your hat to the guy. Good for you, J.J. Hope you play well in the NFC West. And the thing, the thing about it that concerned me was once ESPN's Diana Rossini last week, she tweeted out, hey, J.J. Watt's getting contract offers in the range of 15 to $16 million a year. As soon as I saw that number, I was thinking to myself, well, if, if some team's going to lay out that kind of cash, the bills are going to be out because they're not going to get into a bidding war. Under Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott, they have been a fiscally responsible team in free agency. They don't overpay as a rule, and I think they would view that number as overpaying, even for a player the caliber of J.J. Watt, but at 32 years old, I think that they see that as overpaying, and that's why I thought if the money got to that level, which as we found out it did, that the Bills were going to be out on that. Eric, were you surprised at all? Yeah, I was, and and I was excited about the possibility of the Bills getting J.J. Watt, but to Chris and Steve's point, when you give a guy that much money, you have to ensure that he's going to come in and be a difference maker. This is a guy that's been hurt a bunch lately. He's 32 years old. There's no guarantee that he's going to come in and wreck the AFC East and be what the Bills need from a pass rush standpoint, And, and we'll get to this later, but to me, like you guys mentioned, you can't give him that multi-year deal knowing that you've got to pay Josh Allen. You know, the Bills are in a unique spot this year. They have their quarterback in the last year of his rookie deal. Well, yes, you could have given him the one-year deal, but when Arizona gave him the two years at 15 and a half, that's the difference maker. 
Yeah, we still don't know what that salary cap number is officially going to be. It could be 180, 181. I mean, what teams were expecting it to be before COVID has completely wrecked a lot of teams and what they thought they could maybe get this offseason and what they have to plan for in the future. So that has had a big part in all of this as we're talking about teams that can afford some higher profile players and free agency this year or not. But on today's episode, we're going to have a little fun for our first segment. Then we're going to get into the free agency talk we've got a unique perspective from steve and eric of course who are former players and know what it's like to welcome in new guys say goodbye to new guys and also play for different teams get re-signed all of that good stuff but first let's do a segment of who's in your phone all right who is the most famous person in your phone and what is an interesting story to go along with that person to kick us off, Eric, who's in your phone? Who's the most famous contact that you've got? Yeah, famous is kind of all relative. And <laughs> to me, like there's probably more famous football guys in my phone, a, a Jim Kelly even, um, you know, someone like that. But when I think of famous and how I see people, Kenny Chesney is probably it for me. Big time country music star. Connected with him my rookie year in the NFL. Got to go to, actually went to three concerts in a week. One was in Louisville, one was in Buffalo, and then drove down to Pittsburgh. We connected then. Um, last year, Super Bowl weekend, we re-exchanged numbers. He had gotten a new number since then. And um, I tried not to hit him up. There was a couple uh, long nights during the early stages of the quarantine where we were playing some music and we'd FaceTime him. And I figured at some point he's going to block me if we keep this up, but um, <laughs> he, he was, he's always treated me extremely well. And, and I'll give him the nod for the most famous in my phone. Wow. Kenny Chesney. That's, that is, that's that a, is good a fine line. To start. That's a fine line. Can you I walk though, when you're dealing with pretty big, you know, headline people on your phone, it's like, well, what's crossing the line here that's right a, that i know i know and then there was there was kind of a there was kind of a lull in the communication for a while and then i did a spot on nfl network during the playoffs and he hit me up and said hey i'm sitting down in the keys and look who i see up on the tv at the oh bar that's good or whatever. and that's so nice. i was like all right yeah you're good kind of he, he reopened it though now i just got to be careful that i don't do the facetime <laughs> again <laughs> that's awesome yeah, that's good. Next time you FaceTime him, you're singing some Kenny Chesney songs, asking how your voice sounds compared to him. <laughs> right. Yeah, that'll go great. Right. All right. Next up, Brownie, it's your turn. Can oh, you God, you're going to make me go next after Kenny Chesney. <laughs> um, okay, so I, I am not going to pretend for a second to have uh, a phone bank like these two guys uh, with all their professional football connections, which run far deeper from a player perspective than mine do. So the best that I can do is Summer Sanders, the Olympic gold medalist uh, who is in my phone, who, as we know, is a Bills fan because her husband is a Buffalo native. He's from Hamburg. Eric Schlope is his name. He was on the U.S. ski team, so there's an Olympic connection between them. Um, but the my connection with her actually goes back further than than most people might realize because when I was an intern at WFAN Radio in New York as a college student, I was a summer intern and they would have all kinds of famous athletes rolling through there for in-studio interviews and all of that stuff. So sure enough, she's about a year removed from winning the gold medal in swimming in the 92 Olympics in Barcelona. And she comes in because she was in town doing some promo stuff. She wasn't even doing the NBA you know, shows yet that you know she's probably most known for. So she gets in there, and I'm dating a girl who would become my wife in college, and she was a college swimmer and loved Summer Sanders. So I'm like, oh, man, I got to do something here. So she finishes the interview. She comes out of the studio, and I just say, hey, look, my girlfriend's a college swimmer, huge fan of yours, and she couldn't have been nicer. She was great, signed you know, an autograph. I don't know what I came up with. It was probably a scrap of paper or something, but she signed her autograph on it, and my girlfriend, who is now my wife, was like over the moon about it. So it was totally worth it. So fast forward like 20 something years later and we're having a preseason employee party uh, where we all kind of get together. And it's like, you know, just like a backyard kind of deal. And there are some people that aren't employees that are there as well. And sure enough, Summer and her husband, Eric, are there. And I'm there with my wife, who is now completely freaking out. 
Um, <laughs> so she's like, oh, you got, you, you got to introduce me. I'm like, I don't know her personally either. And she's not going to remember me from 20 years ago with all the people that she's met. But again, you know, summer was great. Couldn't have been nicer. And my wife talked to her and bent her ear for about a half an hour. Um, and so now I have her phone number, but I don't think I've given it to my wife because I don't trust her um, in terms <laughs> of doing the same thing that Eric was fearing in terms of, uh, you know, stepping over the line with somebody like that. So that, that's my story. But, yes, it's pro probably Summer Sanders. I, I figure an Olympic gold medalist is probably pretty good. That's a yeah. pretty good contact. And with, with family and uh, friends who, who know, you know, the career that we work in and know we probably have some contacts of whether it's current or former players or people that are associated with the Bills or someone like Summer Sanders, you never want to give a contact away because you're not sure what that person would do with that contact. I trust your wife, so I think she'll yeah. be all good with it. But yeah, um, never want to give a contact it's, away to well, somebody. Well, it's different with your friends because you're greatest fear is when they take they abuse that number or make use of it and then that person asks well how'd you get my number and then they drop your name then you are completely <laughs> hosed at that point yeah uh lessons for everyone who's listening in don't don't share important contacts or else uh, your butt could be on the line all right tasker your your turn. He's Who scrolling through have? right now. As you're all asking him, all my all my famous contacts were football related. Um, you know, I, which you I, probably most, have like a hundred. You and Eric probably could. Yeah, I got a ton. A, like a whole like. Right. But from the broadcast world, when he was with CBS on the broadcast yeah, world, yeah, he's I'm got sure some names in there. Big time guys, numbers, especially doing sidelines. I know that you're reaching out to people throughout the week and yeah. getting guys on. So those. That's this probably a little. I think unfair. he's having a hard time choosing because he's I've scrolling got, through yeah, these right now. This is like I do have, you know, I've got like I've got the usual suspect specs like Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott and those kind. I got Frank Reich in my phone and Jim and all the the Hall of Famers from the Bills like Lofton and Thurman and Jim and Bruce and Andre, all that. Those guys are on text loop, um, so they're not famous. So um, <laughs> I yeah, probably say you're the you only know, person who doesn't think they're famous. You yeah. know who I think that most people get a kick out of is Chris Berman, Boomer. From oh, ESPN. Yeah. Ah. I've got him in my phone. Uh, everybody else is like, you know, old players. I got Peter King, the SI, the yeah. Football Morning in America in my phone. He's got all the big CBS producers um, and Yeah, the produ the, I got more people behind the scenes, guys. like all the PR guys, you know, like Mark Dalton and those guys, like the yeah, Arizona I got Mark PR phone, guy. Yeah. And that, you know, I've got Phil Sims in my phone, the CBS cohort. Um, and there are a lot of guys I took out. I've got friends of mine I've got a couple of them in there that passed away that I still kept. Ooh. Right, might so, be time to refresh the, the phone I mean, number. List. So Wait a, that took a dark turn. I it, wasn't expecting that. Steve. I don't clean I my phone. I was just out. getting ready to say, "Quit bragging on your contact list. Let's move on, Steve." But then you went that direction. And now <laughs> yeah, right, right. I, you know, you never know. What I do is, you know, you know, you just kind of if, geez, I wonder if I have his number, and you kind of thumb through and see if you do. So um, I know this too. I've cleaned a lot of them out. Over the years, I got Wally Zerbiak in my phone. Oh, Wally! Yeah. He's a Long Island guy. Yeah, big I see basketball him. player. I'm, I'll, I might see him this this spring. I'm, we're golfers, so awesome. Um, guys of like that. Ohio. Yeah. yeah. So uh, look at Eric pulling out the college. <laughs> yes, that? nice. You <laughs> so that's it. I'll say I'll put Chris Berman or no, nah, I don't know. I'll say Peter King. I'll say the okay. go Peter, Peter King, Peter King right. Chris Berman. Those are two good names. What I'm getting from this is that we could do a whole episode and you could just go through your phone and tell stories about different people in your phone. I've, known, I've known that. I've known Peter like King. You have a lot. Yeah, I've known Peter King for like 30 plus years. What about you, Maddie? What's, what about yeah. your phone? I was going to say, we did this when, with Kim, one of the episodes when she was on with us, yeah. and her most famous contact was Peyton Manning, I believe. I can't remember the story that went along with it, um, but I was like, all right, text him, see if we can get him on the podcast. Yeah, um, right. Hopefully, maybe Wait, you don't have Peyton Manning? Where are these Tennessee connections? Come on. I don't. I know. It's a Tennessee connection. Don't unfortunately have him in my phone, although we did run into each other when he was, you know, in Knoxville, he was really close with my bosses. And so anytime he came into town, he would come right into our office. So it wouldn't be weird if you walked into the office and there's Peyton Manning standing there talking out. to my former bosses from Tennessee. But there was always a word that we would use when there was someone important in the office to like get your act together it was purple tally and so when you heard someone yell purple tally it was like 
who's in the building now. And Peyton Manning was definitely one of those people who walked in and everybody's like, tally. we got to come up with, wait a minute. Okay. Wait, staff alert, doing? staff alert, stop screaming, we, we, stop yelling, gonna, staff stop alert. acting like crazy people. We staff alert. Get, we're going to come up with our own word. Yeah. And it can't be purple tally. I'll yeah, just say and, that right and the, now. We got to help university of Tennessee we gotta, out too. They got to yeah. come up with a better phrase than that. That's we got to come up with our own here at this, in this location for our own. Put that. That's a staff alert out there. I want to, I want to, I'm putting that on your to do. I want a keyword before, before this podcast is over about what our new word's going to be when when Eric Wood shows up on premises. <laughs> so I mean, you walk into the One Bills Live studio sometimes. It's, it's a crazy place to walk into. You yeah. never know what's going to go on. You never know what's happening. Pre-COVID days, you know, the instigators would end, yep. and, and Petey and Ribs are hanging out in the back of the studio. You guys are getting ready to go on. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's, there's it's, a lot going a cool on sometimes. It's a place to be. Yeah, a lot going on. I would on. have to say, I would have to say, my most famous contact. I'll do it quick before we move on. Probably Alvin Kamara. He went to Tennessee. Oh, um, nice. Got to know him. Got to know him quite a bit when he was at Tennessee. Of course, he transferred from Alabama, so it was his third school. I want to say because he started um, with Alabama, then went to a community college, and then came to Tennessee. So he was an awesome player to cover so much fun, had that big personality that everybody knows him by in college. So it was, I love seeing someone who has a personality like that in college and just watch it grow in the NFL. He is not scared to be himself and won't let anybody else tell him. Otherwise he is who he is. I knew him when his dreads were like this. Now his dreads are past his shoulders. Uh -huh. I pulled up a picture the other day of him when he was a sophomore red shirt, sophomore, one of his first seasons with Tennessee and he looked so young compared to how he looks now but love getting to watch him in the NFL and love seeing what he's done since he's been in the league uh, he has totally been a difference maker for the Saints and they got someone good when they drafted Alvin Kamara because he can do more than just run the rock he can catch it too I just but saw him, anyways I just saw him tweet uh, real quick Maddie he just bought a house in Montana I saw that. <laughs> That's bizarre. Like you could have given me 50 guesses and I wouldn't have guessed like an NFL player would buy a house in Montana. I mean, unless you're talking like Jared Allen or somebody like that. Right. Like most guys are looking for beachfront property yeah. and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Montana. I think his tweet said something along the lines of like, I'm breathing in Montana air. Like stop, stop trying to contact me. I'm living my own life out in Montana. So he's trying to right get off now, the grid. So. That's what he's trying to do. Yeah. That's what he's trying to do. He's also involved with NASCAR. So Right. The yes, guy I is a that. unique individual, has a lot of different um, tastes, talents, but yeah, so Alvin would be mine. You guys definitely have some very awesome, interesting, unique people in your phone as well. From from Kenny to Summer to Berman to Peter King. So that is a that was fun. nice round of who's in your phone. But we'll move on. You guys are on here, of course, to talk about free agency to help me set the table for free agency, which starts March 17th. I can't believe uh, we are already in March. It feels like we, we just got to take a breath and here we are already preparing for the upcoming season and getting ready for some moves to happen. The Bills have quite a few free agents themselves, so we'll see who resigns with the team. We'll see who comes to the Buffalo Bills from other teams, but I kind of wanted to set the stage by talking to Steve and Eric, a couple questions just about being former players first. So Steve, you started your career with the Oilers. You were there from 85 to 86, and then you moved on to the bills where you obviously spent the rest of your career. But what is it like just to be a player who's uncertain about what team they're going to go to next? You were claimed off of waivers heading to the Buffalo bills. So what's it like you know, not knowing where you would go to next and also being a new player on a new team, because I think that's something that a lot of people forget about during free agency is, is what's going through these players' minds when they become a free agent and your future is uncertain. Well, it's, it's interesting because I was never a player that I was always kind of a difficult player to quantify even now, um, uh, you know, because I covered kicks and it was hard to really get a handle on how much I contributed and other teams would, would have very widely differing opinions about how important a player like I would be. And certainly I wasn't a starter for the, even the, for the Buffalo Bills. So when, when I got a chance to be like playing B or something for the Buffalo Bills, uh, I always thought, man, if you're a free agent, the first thing it mean, meant for me was that I was unemployed. 
you know, I, <laughs> I didn't have a job. So it was pretty, it was harrowing for me. I didn't know that I, if I would be having to stay, you know, getting to stay in Buffalo or, or you know, being forced to leave. Um, and anytime you have to do that, you got to know, too, that back then, you know, as soon as I got picked up by the Buffalo Bills in 86, we moved here and we sunk down roots here and we started having children here. Our family was here. And to, to go through the mental gymnastics to get your mind around possibly uprooting all of that and moving to a brand new city was was pretty stressful. Um, you know, I never had to leave Buffalo, but uh, I did have a chance where, you know, where it, there were some opportunities where I could have had it had I wanted to. Um, it never happened. So it's for a, a certain level of player like I was, and I wasn't, we weren't as well versed in free agency as the guys are now because it's part of the landscape. Back then it wasn't, it was brand new. So nobody really knew how to think about it. Um, and, you know, so going forward, it was, it was a little bit better than that, but I was never, I was never so uneasy about my careers when I didn't have a job, when I was a free agent. Uh, when I came from the, the Oilers to the Bills, it was off the waiver wire where I knew the Oilers wanted me to play for them. And through the rules of the game, they had to expose me for the waivers for 24 hours, and I didn't clear waivers. Somebody put a bid in on me. It was the Buffalo Bills. So that was different. Uh, and I didn't have a chance to feel any angst about being on a new team. Uh, in fact, I was a little bit thrilled, given the level of player that I was, that anybody even knew who I was, let alone wanted me to play for them. Do you know if anybody else put in a claim on you besides the Bills? There was nobody lower than the Bills. I don't know if anybody else did. Yeah. And the, the Well, Oilers, they had first crack. I was just curious right. if anybody else put a claim. I do not know. Yeah. I kind of doubt it. It was kind of a general – even the, the Oilers were very surprised that anybody yeah. did because it was understood that to put them over procedural waivers the way they did – that the Oilers wanted me to play for them on Sunday. Yeah, they didn't want anybody else to grab me. So, uh, yeah, it was a it was a little different scenario. But uh, I think a lot of players now, if they're smart, they relish the op- relish the opportunity to find out what they're worth. And I think it's a, it's a much better atmosphere in the league. It's much more fun for fans, and I, uh, amazingly, I think it's more fun for fans everywhere to know that their team could snatch a great player from a club who. Uh, would really help them every on a year-to-year basis. So I, I think it's a much better atmosphere now. Eric, I don't know what you feel. Yeah, Eric, you were with the Bills from 2009 to 2017. I mean, you re-signed with the Bills and you spent your whole career with them, so you necessarily didn't get a chance to, to test the market or to see uh, what else would be out there. But were those some thoughts? Did you ever have those thoughts? Did you ever have the opportunity to possibly do that? I mean, why did you choose also to re-sign with the Bills? When, when you re-sign, you also could think about going elsewhere. So when you look back on your career, how did that all work out? And were you happy that you ended up staying in Buffalo your entire career and, and didn't necessarily get um, the experience that some other, other players get, whether it's a good experience from free agency or a not-so-good experience from free agency? Yeah, I, I wanted to stay in Buffalo my entire career. I loved it from the second I got up there. Um, the organization treated me so well. And, and I was, I'm one of those guys where I wanted to finish what I started. If I would have left Buffalo and then they got good without me, if they would have made the playoffs without me, I, I would have just felt it would have been so unsettling for me knowing that they made me a first round draft pick and put that type of investment in me. And then I'm going to go to free agency leave. And then if they did it without me, ooh, it would have stung. It would have stung really bad, honestly. And so um, I would have loved to hit free agency, figure out what I was truly worth, and then come back to the Bills. The Bills just made it way, uh, way too good of an offer preseason of uh, my final year of my contract both times. Heading into year five, the last year of my rookie deal, we started a contract negotiation, and it made it worth my while to, to re-sign before the season. And then the same exact thing happened my final year. I'll tell a quick story about the one my final year. Uh, which was leading into year nine, we had been negotiating a contract through training camp. And it finally got to the point where we're like, look, we're not going to come to an agreement on this. We, we have, you think I'm too old, whatever it is. It's, it's negotiations. You know, you're, you're pulling out any stops. And finally, I just got offended, you know. It, and that's where you kind of almost got to stay out of as a player. But I'm like, you know, I'm just going to go through the season. I, I want to come back to Buffalo, but I guess I'll figure out what I'm worth. And then we, then it, it really started ramping up. And then we were so close at that point towards the third preseason game. 
I was like, well, now I can't play in this third preseason game. I got all this money on the table. I can't play in it without a deal. So I told my agent, I said, I'll go warm up for the game and all that. But I think I, you know, we were kind of talking, it's probably best to sit. Well, the bills didn't want me to do that. We got the deal done. So I signed my second contract extension, my third contract with the bills in the locker room in Sean McDermott's office while I was in pads. And then I go out in the game and I separate my shoulder, which I didn't miss any time for, but I separated my shoulder right before the half go in and you can get a shot to kind of relieve the pain and there's not additional damage you're going to do to it. I took a shot and McDermott's like, well, we're going to sit you for the, you know, first series of the second half, you know, it's dumb. And I said, no, I said, if the rest of the offensive line's going out there, I'm going out with the guys. And he's like, well, don't be stupid. I'm like, well, I already got my contract now. I don't really care anymore. I'm going to go out there and play with the guys. It's, you know, there's, there's not a whole lot of risk. So I went and played in the first series of the second half with the separated shoulder. Um, not super smart on my end, but I, I didn't want to be like, well, I saw my contract extension. Now, now you four go out and, and handle business for, for that first series. Yeah, those negotiations are so interesting. I mean, it, it all goes on behind closed doors and, and fans and reporters uh, only know so much. I mean, it, it becomes official or word comes out and there's reports. And it's interesting to hear that you, you sign yours in Sean McDermott's office in your pads about to go play a game. I'm sure there's several other interesting stories about how deals get done and, and what type of hours they get done at. I always remember, or I keep going back to that Stefan on Diggs trade that came out at like 10 30 at night uh the day that it happened which is crazy and just one more on the signing the contracts the bills put a tweet out or a picture out of me signing a contract in his office well you could see my home address on the tweet <laughs> oh. so then I'm like Boyko you got to get that picture down because <laughs> uh someone I guess it just started like blowing up like hey if anyone wants to send Eric Wood something here's his address and so we had to get the we had to get that oh man jeez that's a that's a good story all right brownie you've covered the bills for what is this year 10th 11th 12th what year is this that's a lot more than that and i'm not even saying it um no 20 plus no it's it's too long um yeah it's been a while we'll just say that well to to that point i mean you've covered free agency for several years, you've seen how the market has changed. You've seen how free agency has changed overall. How do you look at free agency now versus maybe your first couple years covering uh, the NFL? What has changed about it? What's different? How has it gotten more monstrous every year? I think teams are more fiscally responsible on the whole now than they were in the early years of free agency because – Back then, there were just these bidding wars that would go on for player services, and um, it was intense. Like, there would be two or three teams going after somebody, and the money would just go up and up and up and up because teams had not experienced what it was like to be in cap jail yet. And that really didn't, those chickens really didn't come home to roost for the first time for a lot of these teams until the late 90s. Um, early 2000s when these teams that spent lavishly or that kept kicking the can down the road with restructures uh, finally had to pay the piper and it served as a very hard lesson for some franchises I mean Bills fans still remember what's commonly known as Black Monday when they had to cut Bruce Smith Andre Reed and Thurman Thomas all on the same day because they tried to keep it together for so long and pay those guys their proper due along with other players on the roster and then it just became untenable and teams had to make very very difficult decisions and it brought on this new era of an approach to free agency that was fiscal more fiscally responsible than the first wave because they saw what the repercussions brought and it put teams in cap jail where they just couldn't even compete some teams were putting 24 real NFL players on a roster with 25 guys who probably really didn't belong in the NFL, but that's what they had to do because they couldn't afford any other options because they were they had so much dead cap money or cost-prohibitive contracts. And so now I think more teams, you still have teams that spend lavishly, but there are more teams that are, are far more fiscally responsible and rely on their 
draft department, college scouting, to really build the roster for, through the draft with cheaper labor um, and only make maybe a couple of lavish spending moves in free agency, and then there's some teams that just don't do it at all. So that, that's probably how free agency, I would say, has changed the most. Mm -hmm. And we're seeing it not necessarily a part of free agency, but it's always interesting to, to see these big trades that kind of happen right before free agency that just make me think the NFL is becoming more and more like the NBA with these blockbuster deals uh, that happen to get a player to a new team and the teams that get involved with these trades. Uh, I think it's a very interesting precursor to when free agency begins and, you know, what could happen in the next couple of weeks. But you all have experienced high profile free agents coming to Buffalo and you've been around some really interesting players who have come to Buffalo, uh, higher profile guys who, who have come to Buffalo for a year or two. Um, who has been the highest profile? And I want all you to answer this. Who has been the highest profile free agent that you have played with or covered during your time with the bills and why Steve, I'll start with you. Um, for me, I, I, you can say what you want. I, the ones I played with, there, there weren't that many when I played out in 97. I mean, we had brought James Lofton in who ended up going to the hall of fame and playing for through four Super Bowls. Uh, Cornelius Bennett was not a free agent. He was a draft pick. Um, I think during my time in broadcast industry, I don't think there's anybody that was more polarizing and more sensational than the contract they gave to Terrell Owens. I thought that was an absolute firework going off. Uh, it was unbelievable. It was only a one-year deal. It's a one-year <laughs> deal. Uh, I think other than that, uh, the biggest name and the biggest splash that gave Bills fans so much enthusiasm was probably Mario Williams uh, when he signed for the mega contract that he did. Uh, that was out of the ordinary for the Buffalo franchise yeah, to be able to big sign like a big-time guy like Mario Williams was. And he played well for this franchise when he was here, too. So uh, I think I think the T.O. contract and the Mario Williams signing were probably as big a free agent signings as this franchise has ever made, I, wow. despite even what happened, you know, because there wasn't any, fran any real you know, free agency back in the early 90s. I, I will say some of those more recent ones that Steve mentioned were got as big and as out of control as they did because of social media. Some of those older signings, you know, back mm -hmm. in the day didn't carry as much fanfare because there wasn't this up-to-the-minute access that everybody had to what the hell was going on or what national reporters were reporting and so like the mario williams thing that got out of control fast like it wasn't only like is he here is he oh i saw him at a restaurant there's all these people saying they spotted mario here or there and i mean we're talking about a 6'6 295 pound man it's not like your average joe walking down the street the guy, like, oh, yeah it's like i saw him here and now he's at jim kelly's house it's Jim's like, hosting him it's, and you know all of this stuff and he's, he's giving like him hunting equipment it's like what the hell is going on it was like sasquatch yeah. you can't <laughs> if you see him there is no mistaking who he is Right? If you see him, that's a Sasquatch. Look yeah. at it. And that's the way Mario yeah. Williams was. He's he's like nine feet tall and yeah. six feet wide. And he, you know, he was all of it. I mean, he checked every box of a superhuman athlete. And you got Lenova Pizza writing in pepperoni, come to Buffalo, Mario. You got fans out here at one at Abbott Road putting signs up like welcoming him already and like come to Buffalo. It was off the chain. Right. Like Eric remembers. Yeah, so I played with both those free agent signings. T.O. was my rookie year. Really awesome dude. I actually just had him on my podcast. We had a great conversation. There's a picture of me with my Joe Theismann leg break, and one of the trainers and T.O. were the two guys that picked me up off the ground and um, always got a soft spot for T.O. We've hung around, around derby times together and uh, stayed in contact over the years. So we had a fun conversation. And then uh, Mario Williams came in, and it was funny because – you bring in these guys from other teams. Well, you, we played against Houston a few times and, you know, it gets chippy in, in the box at times. Well, during the Houston game, I laid out a dude on an interception on their sideline and Mario Williams came off the bench and hit me and he got a $10,000 yep. fine because he wasn't even in the game. And, you know, there were some other fines, but he got the biggest one because he wasn't in the game. Well, six months later, he signs a but or I run into him in the locker room at Buffalo and he's like, you look familiar. I'm like, yeah, uh, <laughs> I've been here a few years, you know? And so we started talking, he's like, no, no, no. 
that was and we had like the that was the JJ Watt interception return, right? No, this was um, we were playing them at home early in oh, my career. Home. I want to okay. say, yeah, one of one of my first couple years in the league. Uh, so JJ wasn't in the in the uh, in the league okay. yet, but we had thrown an interception and we were really chippy throughout that game. And it was funny because the the corner is following Sean Cody, their nose guard. And I and Sean Cody thinks like he's going to go get a block. And I just laid Sean Cody out. And so that's why I created this big deal, because I didn't even hit the ball carrier. I just took that dude out. <laughs> um, and, and so it was fun getting to know Mario. And Mario was a beast. I remember getting on a scale after him in the preseason. So it, we had to weigh in and out of every practice. And after practice one day, we weighed the exact same amount. I had sweated off like eight pounds. He lost like one. And we weighed the exact same. And we all started joking around like, those two dudes do not look the same. <laughs> like, like they, they are built differently now. That's yeah. right. See, now I would say in terms of free agents just covering the team, now this is back when I was working in radio covering the team, not working for the Bills. And the Bills had been in salary cap jail in 2001 when they went 3-13. and 13. Then they started signing a couple of guys in 2002, like London Fletcher, a couple other guys. But then in 2003, the GM at the time, Tom Donahoe, completely swung for the fences because they had already made the Drew Bledsoe trade the year before, and now they were trying to build up the defense. And they signed Takeo Spikes to an offer sheet. He was a transition free agent. He get, got the transition tag from the Bengals. But the interesting thing was the last game of the previous regular season here in Buffalo was Bills-Bengals. And Bills fans knew that Takeo Spikes was going to be a free agent in the offseason. There were literally signs in the stadium saying, come to Buffalo, Takeo. I mean, this is in 2002. Like, this is before the dawn of social media, anything like that. And the Bills fans were literally recruiting him for the team in the last regular season game. And so they signed him to an offer sheet, and the, and the Bengals had seven days to match, five business days, seven full days to match the offer. And so I just remember the tension in Buffalo as to whether Cincinnati was going to match the offer. And Bills fans were like on pins and needles until it eventually came out, oh, it doesn't look like the Bengals are going to match and whatever. And then Takeo comes, they have the big press conference, and he admits that the Bills fans recruiting him, shouting at him as he's walking up the tunnel, hey, come to Buffalo next year, sign with the Bills, blah, blah, blah. He, admit, he admitted in the press conference it had an impact on his decision-making. And after that, I mean, Bills fans loved him. It was, like, it was over right, <laughs> right there. Right. Like, he, the, he admitted that they had an impact on him signing, and they loved him after that ever since. There you go. I was wondering if, uh, if the Bills were to get J.J. Watt, if he was going to shout out Bills Mafia for all the recruiting that happened on social media the last couple weeks and all the cryptic tweets that J.J. Watt was sending out wow. and, and Bills fans would be like, oh, Buffalo is spelled with this many characters. His tweet is this many characters. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Up. <laughs> He's coming to the Bills. That was <laughs> like, crazy. Bills crazy. Mafia never rests on that stuff. Um, but I wanted to go around and do a top three needs for the Bills and one want. So I know Brandon Bean loves to use free agency for his needs so that he can draft for his wants. So as we head into the offseason and, and free agency is upon us and the NFL draft is right around the corner, I want to get all of your top three needs that you think the Buffalo Bills have and one want for this upcoming season. Now, I mean, we know they, they got into the playoffs, won a couple games, didn't necessarily make it to the Super Bowl, of course, because they lost in the AFC Championship game a tough game against the Chiefs there but we all hope they're going to be back there the next season and that game definitely opened up some some things that you can look back on and think okay this needs to be addressed for this next upcoming season if you want to be back in this game and you want a chance to win uh, so let's go around we, we'll each do one and if we have, I'm sure we're going to have the same ones because it's not like this team has a bunch of things that need to happen in the off season to get better. It's tiny things here and there. So if you have the same one, you can just piggyback off of whoever has the similar one and add on to their point or bring up something different. So Tasker, I'll start with you. What's one need? 
Uh, I think offensive nine, the offensive line needs to be bolstered. They've got four guys or maybe five guys from the eight that they had on game day that are not going to be here or at least are not under contract. That's first and foremost is the most glaring thing they need to do. They've got this new quarter, this quarterback who has proven that he is the goose that laid the golden egg, so to speak. They've got to protect him and they've got to give him every chance and every support mechanism they can to be successful. It this thing's going to live and die with you know, how Josh plays. So you've got to support him in every way you can. And with that many good offensive linemen whose contracts have run out, that is first and foremost. The, that is the only concern I have for this offseason. Uh, you, you, know, you can make a case for maybe a second corner, uh, you know, maybe a, a replacement for Trent Murphy. Uh, but for me, it's – or Matt Milano, uh, a replacement. I, I think it, it begins and ends with the offensive line. Did anybody have that on their list too? I mean, the Bills have uh, more than a few offensive linemen that are free agents this year. So it'll be interesting to see how many of those guys resign with the Bills. I, the number, what is four or five? I don't think they can resign all of those guys. I do expect some of them to be back on the Bills this year, whether it's one or two. I guess we'll find out in a couple weeks. But Chris, Eric, did you have offensive line on your list of needs? If not, I'll let the old lineman take it. (laughs) Yeah, I appreciate that. And and you know a lot more about this, so you'll be able to expand uh, on everything I say. But uh, yeah, I I absolutely think that the offensive line needs to be addressed. When you look at how many free agents there, this is this is a absolute need. They need to bolster this group if people are going to walk. Darrell Williams played really well. It'll be interesting to see how much money he's going to be able to get. John Feliciano, he loves Buffalo. Buffalo loves him. It would make sense that they would get him back. But he's he's now approaching free agency. He's going to figure out what he's worth on the open market, and then the Bills got to go pay that. And so you have some interesting stuff going on with the offensive line. I think when you look at the Bills for 2021, Sean McDermott talked about it very early in that press conference. They need to get better in the run game. When you spend a third-round draft pick the last two years on running backs, it's probably not coming from – the running back position bolstering that room. So it's going to come from the offensive line, maybe some play calling, whatever it may be, but the offensive line is going to have to assist in the run game as well. And I'll use that to say another need for this group would be a tight end who also could help with the run game, but provide a second option to Dawson Knox. Dawson's great in the passing game, but if you're going to establish a run game, you need to be able to have a tight end that can um, that can block, and, and I think they're looking for a blocking tight end that can also be dynamic in the pass game. And there's a few of those guys available out there or could become available. You think about a guy like maybe Zach Ertz, uh, and that's that's kind of a, a dream scenario. But when, when you look around, and this is, a, this is a topic that we'll probably get to as well, but when you look around, there's going to be a lot of cap casualties. So you can't yeah. just look at the free agent list right now. There's going to be a ton of cap casualties that come once this salary cap is, is officially established and we see what the number is. So there's going to be so many players that come and flood this market at, and there's going to be some positions that will just simply kind of price each other out to where there's going to be some good deals out there. And in the past people would say, well, yeah, there's, there are going to be good deals for X franchise, the Patriots, whoever it may be. Well, the bills are that desirable destination now. So there may be some great deals out there for the Buffalo bills based upon what their trajectory is and their projected win uh, totals for next year. Chris, what about you? Did you have run game or offensive line on there? Yeah, it's offensive line. I mean, it's the top one. You know, as Steve said, you got to protect your number one asset right now, which was the driving force behind the team's success. And that's Josh Allen. So you have to protect him number one. And then to Eric's point, you got to improve the run game by making it a more effective group. And as Brandon Bean said himself, he has no problem with Zach Moss or Devin Singletary. So that leaves it to improving the schematics and maybe the five-man group that you have up front, whether you feel you can upgrade it or make it better. Um, I do think Daryl Williams, though, is priority number one in terms of the guys that you want to bring back or return to the fold. I mean, that guy solidified the right tackle position last year. He probably had the best season of the free agents that are up on the Bills offensive line. So I would make him priority number one to bring back. I know Feliciano is the emotional juice that kind of fires that line up. Uh, So he's a close second, but the position importance 
I think, puts Williams at the top of the list. Um, you need a guy that you know can capably step in and give you 16 games at right tackle that you're not going to have to worry about no matter the matchup. And the game alone that he had against T.J. Watt in the Sunday night game against Pittsburgh convinces me that that should be your guy that you put back there at right tackle. Everybody else is gravy if you can make it work with your cap situation. And I agree with Eric. It's going to be a buyer's market in the free agent. Uh, once free agency gets rolling and the cap numbers known and the cap casualties start spilling tons of talent out into the market, perhaps like we haven't seen in a long time. So there should be bargain values there for teams like the Bills who can't break the bank to try to refurbish this line. Yeah, and, and Maddie, you compared free agency to almost like NBA nowadays, and it's going to look like, in my opinion, like the NBA for the next couple of years because you're going to have so many veterans sign one-year prove-it deals that there's going to be a ton of movement this year. And because of the one-year prove-it deals, assuming that if COVID regulations are off next year, the league revenue goes back to how it is, and we get on that upward, steep upward trajectory with this uh, big TV deal that's rumored to be out there about ready to be signed. When you have all that uh, in play, man, there's going to be a lot of movement this year and also next year. And that's where, you know, the Bills have done everything right. And then, you know, as far as managing the cap and being fiscally responsible, well, now it's about can they go recruit some of these one year prove it deal guys? because they don't have a ton of room based upon, you know, the projection, but they have a very special team right now and a special quarterback that could attract some of those guys here. Yeah, to that point, I was going to say this is a year where players are also expecting to probably get a little less if they're free agents, knowing that that cap number isn't what people thought it was going to be before COVID. So then as a player, are you thinking, okay, I'm, I might have to take a little bit less, but would I rather take a little bit less and go to a team who's not necessarily going to be a playoff contender, or do I want to go to a team and take a little bit less that can be a Super Bowl contender? And I think the Bills have that type of attraction that other teams may not have. And you're, you're coming to this team, and this team can make it to the Super Bowl next year if they fix those pieces and if players stay healthy. That has got to be um, something on a lot of people and a lot of players radars so many people every player wants to make it to the Super Bowl and have a chance at playing on the biggest stage ever so it'll be interesting in that regard as well run game was on my list it was number two I mean I agree with everything you guys said and, and to that point adding on I mean the Bills ranked 20th for their run 107.7 rushing yards per game is what they average no running back had a 100 yard game this year the closest they got was Zach Moss and Devin Singletary had just over 80 rushing yards in one game this season. So the running backs, like you guys said, I don't think it's on them. I think it's on the run blocking. This offensive line did such a great job pass blocking, but when it came to run blocking, that was where their struggle was. And you look at a guy like Zach Moss and Devin Singletary, who are younger players, uh, I think are still learning. Of course, Zach Moss being a rookie running back, still learning what it's like to be in the NFL, learning a playbook and whatnot. You can't put all of that on the running backs um, as they're in their first and second year in the NFL. Also, also interesting, Josh Allen had 572 pass attempts this past season. Devin Singletary and Zach Moss combined for 268 carries. So that number is showing you uh, pass versus run what the Bills did when they were and, on offense. And that the, that doesn't scare me that much because yeah. the Bills were so successful on offense this year. And Josh Allen did such a great job with the completion percentage that that number doesn't scare me. I just think, uh, you know, I'm looking more at their yards per carry when they were running the football i just felt like they they weren't nearly as effective this year as they should have been now that comes from maybe a lack of carries it, you know it takes continuity we talked about it many times on one bills live on mondays this year that maybe the yards per carry was down because of that you know i want to i want to present another uh need for the buffalo bills as well and heading into the super bowl i kind of had this feeling uh where the Kansas City Chiefs, the, the Bills, the way they played the Chiefs twice this year, they kind of lost both ways. The first time they got the ball ran down their throat, second time they threw all over them, and it was kind of like, okay, the, this is the team that the Bills need to go uh, address needs to go try and beat. It remind me what everyone in the AFC was chasing the Patriots, and you kind of had to do different things defensively because Gronk and Hernandez were so good that you either had to get more athletic at linebacker or bigger at safety, one or the other, because you had to combat them. So I was thinking to myself, like, 
okay, what do you need to do to then go beat Kansas City? And it's, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna slow down that offense, you need three corners that could run so you could play some man defense and not just get smoked, so you can apply yeah. some pressure. Well, then I watched the Super Bowl. And Todd Bowles, who brings a ton of pressure, sits back at a bunch of cover two man and says, look, our corners may not be as good as your receivers, but they all have help over the top with two safeties. And the guys, the, the, the six guys in the box held up. They shut down the screens. They shut down the run. They shut down the scrambles. They were pass rushing. So with the Bills, I think you either need to upgrade the cornerback position tremendously um, at the two and, and, and maybe the three spot. Like I, I like Leonard Johnson as a nickel a lot, especially in that big nickel role, but maybe someone else that can run that you could put in the slot. That's maybe a little quicker, or you got to get better in the front six. And with Matt Milano, maybe moving on, I think you got to get it better. Um, you probably got to get bigger at D tackle at one spot, you know, bring in a true run stuffer that can be in there on, on downs on running down so that you can, defend the run with six guys in the box at that point and then you got to have guys that can show up on a consistent basis and rush the passer and for me this year besides Jerry Hughes and at times other guys would flash but you know it's time for Ed Oliver to show up and start making an impact and I know Brandon Bean at the end of the year bragged on him a little bit and said he did stuff that didn't necessarily show up in the stat book but I'm ready for the stat book to then show up this year and then you know take Jerry Hughes and then where what are you building around those guys to because you got your your leader of the defense and Jerry Hughes as well, your veteran leader. Where are you getting guys in that front six? Where okay, if we can't, if we don't have the money to address the quarterback positions to truly be able to do a tamp uh, to do um, you know to pressure the Chiefs, well now we got to be able to stop them with our front six. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, the, and we've, we've talked talk, about that a lot. We talk about it a lot. The the fewer guys it takes you to get quick pressure and consistent pressure, the better you're going to be. And in the in the Super Bowl, the Tampa Bay got good pressure with the four guys up front. Yeah, and, and also by it. the way, they have the two most athletic linebackers in the league. I mean, in Devin right. White and uh, Levante David. I mean, those guys are what allow you to play the way Tampa played because they can play with the front six, and those two guys can cover so much ground. Right. They, they can just stop everything at the second level. Yeah, Tampa Bay did such a good job of dropping into coverage and getting good, consistent pressure. And you know, Pat Mahomes set a record for how much he had to scramble. And they didn't rush five guys all that often. You know, they rushed four. And if you can do that and close off the windows and, small, and, you know, and shrink those windows with extra guys dropping into coverage, and I'll say this too, uh, and not for nothing, in, in Kansas City specific. Tyreek Hill can outrun anybody in the National Football League, no question about it. But he he doesn't outroute them. He just outruns them. And right. once you put a lid on it, he's not going to run a, a complex, you know, stop comeback. You know, he's going to take the lid off the defense, and if you lose him, you lose him. Or he's going to catch a quick, quick route, and he's going to take off. The intermediate routes aren't there for him, and if once they keep put a guy over the top of him – Everybody else is fair game uh, on that Kansas City defense. And then, of course, Travis Kelsey, who had a really nice game, but he didn't win it. You know, So um, their ability to cover with seven guys consistently and get good, consistent, on-time – they didn't get like have guys running free and Mahomes wasn't like that. But when he dropped back and wanted to look and there was no window there, he had to run. The pocket was done, and he was scrambling for his life because somebody was winning on time, and usually it was one of four guys. That was the key for me, and I think if the Bill, that's what the Bills, Sean McDermott, I think that's his, you know, I think that's his holy grail. If he can have four rushers, and that's it, and everybody else drops into coverage and closes the windows down, that's a winning formula. That's what makes what the Bills are going to do on the defensive side of the ball in the offseason so compelling because I think we all know they don't have the money to address all three levels of their defense. But you can make an argument for all three levels of their defense, whether you know you're losing Matt Milano, so you have to replace there to have two athletic linebackers, somebody that you feel confident putting on the field with Tremaine Edmonds every single down, or do you completely reshuffle the deck up front where you already have six of the top 11 salaries on your roster on your defensive line? Who are you subtracting to add somebody that you think's better so you can get back to your core philosophy that Steve's talking about of getting consistent pressure with only four? They could not do that last year. So what do you do there? Or, as Eric said, do you finally invest in youth 
in a proven player that you can plug and play that might be a high draft choice at that second corner spot. They've been plugging it with a veteran on a one-year deal each of the last two or three years, and it's worked with marginal success because an undrafted rookie in Levi Wallace has beaten them all out for the starting job. So do you just say screw it and use a high draft choice to just plug somebody in there and say, this guy's our second-round pick, and he's going to line up opposite Tredavious on day one, and off we go. Um, You could make an argument for all three levels of the defense. The question is, which one are they going to address in this salary cap strapped year? Yeah, and Brandon Bean said going into this offseason, he he used words of this isn't going to be a big free agency right. for us. Don't don't expect any star-studded names. Of course, they were going to show interest in J.J. Watt or at least see what he is willing uh, to take for his new deal and his new team, which obviously isn't the Buffalo Bills, but they're going to go after to a degree some of those bigger names just to see um what they're talking about or or how much they want but yeah brandon bean said it's not going to be a big free agency this year so it'll be really interesting to see how they fill those needs to see who they let go of to see who they re-sign because i completely agree they could add in in any of those areas on defense and we've heard leslie frazier this will now be his third season, or at least since I've gotten to the Buffalo Bills, the third season where he's been saying, we need to get pressure with just four. We need to win with just four. They go in last year with a new defensive line coach and a new philosophy of we're going to rotate the heck out of these defensive linemen and, and tr- try and confuse the offensive line with, with how many players are rotating through the defensive line. And that did not work. And Chris, you and I have talked about it the last time I was on One Bills Live, how that philosophy got changed about halfway through the season and then they started playing um, closer to the same four guys and you still weren't getting that type of pressure that they wanted and so towards the end of the season we saw them mix it up by sending some corners sending some safeties on blitzes to help with that but yeah I think you need a pass rusher you need somebody who can help Jerry Hughes who can take on double teams so Jerry Hughes can work or Jerry Hughes can take on some of those double teams so your other guy can work but I don't think you find that in the draft at number 30 you don't find a pass rusher who can make a difference immediately I mean we drafted AJ Epines and we saw that slow gradual build in his rookie season where he was being used more towards the end of the season but I think he's still a work in progress and isn't going to come and flash in week one next season and be a, a premier player on this defensive line so I think that's why you have to get a pass rusher or somebody who can help out on multiple downs uh, in free agency what else do you guys have on your list yeah I mean that that runs it this is a team that's got a lot I mean in place their skill positions on offense even if John Brown needs to be restructured if if he's not there uh, this is a group that they can go with all the skill players the running backs quarterbacks tight ends receivers Uh, I don't have a problem with any of it they're fine to go Uh, their secondaries to me um, Chris and I and I had to agree with him. We're high on Dane Jackson, his ability to come in and play. He plays very well. He's aggressive and he's got all the intangibles that you want. The only thing he doesn't, the only box he doesn't check is the physical size box. But man, oh man, the guy plays. He competes hard, and he shows up. Um, he's a he's going to be a part of the mix this coming year. I think yeah. um, everybody else is great. I think offensively, except for the guys that are whose contracts are up on the offensive line, defensively. It's, I think it's a question of where the coaches evaluate all the defensive linemen. Uh, Mario Addison, uh, Quentin Jefferson, Vernon Butler, Starlo Tulele, Harrison Phillips, you know, Ed Oliver, and then, and then uh, of course, A.J. Epineza. They've got to replace Trent, Trent Murphy in the, in the starting lineup and, and in that rotation. I wouldn't be surprised if the coaching staff is ready to say, we can go with these guys. We like them. We think they're going to play better this next year. We think they weren't as productive this year because of this, this, and this, and that's all going away because they're going to be, they're going to be better this year. We don't know how they're going to evaluate these guys, what they see in their film on game, on game day. So they may like this defensive front a lot more going forward than, than fans would give them credit for. If they don't, we're going to see that in the next couple of weeks with restructuring, with re- guys will get released. They'll make yeah. changes because they've got to uh, going forward uh, to, to get under the cap and to sign guys to replace them. And what about one want? 
if we've yeah. if we've covered all the needs eric do you have another need you wanted to address no, I was just going to say, you know, it's interesting when you mentioned Star Latule, and it's going to be interesting next year to see what the effect is for the guys that took a full year off of football. Yeah. You know, yes, their body will probably be a little bit fresher, but he is another year older. Are, are we going to put all of our eggs into that basket and say, you know, that's our run stuffer? If we can only keep six guys in the box and kind of mimic this Tampa Bay model, is he our run stuffer in there or do we need to upgrade at that position? And it's crazy because you you got no evaluation on him from this year. And it would have been his second year in the defense. You would you would assume his second year in this system, playing with these guys, he would have made a jump, but then he sits out this season. So it's it's interesting. It'll be an interesting evaluation from that standpoint on on him. And there's other teams with more opt-outs than just one, but he's our one and he was one of our highest paid guys the previous season. Our biggest free agent signing money-wise. So uh, that, that'll be interesting. Um, but I'll, I'll take it to a want. Um, and, and, and another position that the Bills have to address is backup quarterback. I love Matt Barkley. So I want either him back. And if it's not him, I want Ryan Fitzpatrick. But, <laughs> but, uh, I'm totally with that's, you. That, that's just because he's my boy. It's going to be interesting, though. Uh, you know, I think he's going to get another chance to start somewhere this year, which if he goes to a new team would be, team number 10 that he'll likely throw a touchdown for and just further solidify his spot in Canton, maybe not with a bust, but a, a yeah. record. My, Absolutely. Yeah, my only want is I want a second cornerback and drafted early, like first or second round. Just get the kid that you can put right in the lineup, just like you did with Trey White. Um, you've been doing this one-year merry-go-round with veterans on the other side. Trey White is your veteran corner now. He's entering year five. He's your vet. Draft a young kid right at the top of the draft somewhere where you can plug and play. And I understand the Matt Milano thing and him probably not being back could compromise that. But even if you take a playmaking linebacker at pick 30 and there's going to be good ones down there and you can plug and play him, I still think you can get a corner in round two. And I know Steve's going to yell at me because he wants the big guys up front on both lines early in the draft. Um, but I just want the corner, but the second cornerback position to be rectified, settled, done deal, Lucille. That's a want for me more than a need, I guess. Yeah. For me, I, I think I, I, they have, I've seen the bills do this and we've talked about it at length on the show. They brought in, they brought in, uh, Jordan Phillips, Starlu Tulele signed in free agency. They drafted Ed Oliver and AJ Epinesa. They brought in Trent Murphy, uh, Butler, Addison, Jefferson. Jefferson. They've drafted high. They've spent in free agency. And they still, you know, they don't have a front four that can get to the quarterback right. by themselves. Right. A front four that yeah. can get to the quarterback by themselves. So I would, I would like them to see if they can fix that. I don't know. Shuffle the deck. Yeah. Um, I trust them. If they, if they evaluate these guys and say, no, you know what? We're good with these guys. Okay, I'll live with it. But I, I would love to see them do that up front. Get, get some big – I like heavy bodies down inside, and um, I'd like to see that. I like those names and, and things that the Bills want or you guys want heading into free agency or the draft. Um, my, I think my want is tight end. I think that's also can double as a need. They got to mm. figure that out. They've got to figure out one more person that can help with Dawson Knox. The the tight ends totaled 407 yards between Dawson Knox and Tyler Croft last season. Probably not what you want out of, um, I don't know, a league that we're seeing more tight ends have success. Look at Travis Kelsey. I know George Kittle got hurt, but look at what he can do. I think those are teams that maybe you try and model what your tight ends can do after tight ends who are really great at blocking, but also really great uh, in helping out in the receiving game. So I'd like to see Dawson Knox have, have a splash season next year, or I'd like to see another guy who can really help share the load um, with that tight end group when it comes to blocking and catching passes. But before we wrap up, because we've spent a lot of time talking already, so we'll be quick on this one. What's one player that the Bills must re-sign and why? Eric, I'll start with you. Who's on your list for one player the Bills got to re-sign and why? Um, I'll say John Feliciano. You got a young offense, and he's a guy that sets the tone up front. 
And and I know we said tackle is a big issue. Maybe you can address tackle at pick number 30 if you can't re-sign Daryl Williams. But I'll go with John Feliciano just because he's such a tone setter, such a culture guy up there. Um, and, and for a young offense, you can tell when he's in and out of the lineup. What about you, Chris? Yeah, I mean, I get the Feliciano thing, and odds are he's – probably the easier one to re-sign because he won't come at quite the price tag. But I think you just got to move heaven and earth to try to get Darrell Williams back in the fold. I just think two veteran tackles to protect Josh is huge. Um, he's a big body, too. I don't think I would point to him when assessing the problems that the run game had in terms of its effectiveness because uh, that guy can road grade. He's big enough to do it. Uh, so I'm sticking with Darrell Williams. Yeah, and I it's between it might be a toss up for me between them. I, I kind of like Feliciano as well, but I think Daryl Williams plays the more important position. Uh, I think I think I think Brownie's right. Uh, this last year, the only thing you could depend on was the two tackles on their offensive line, Deion Dawkins and Daryl Williams. Uh, Mitch Morse was in and out of the lineup. He had a concussion that pulled him out of a game early. Uh, John Feliciano wasn't around for the first five, six, eight games of the season, and. Cody Ford left early in the season with an injury after five or six games. So they never had the guards and the center that they thought they were going to have at any point during the season. And when Cody Ford went out for good, um, it, it, it fell to Ike Butker, who came in and played that left guard spot. So, um, yeah, I think it's I think Darrell Williams plays the position that I like. But I, I get what Eric's saying as well. There's no question. When John Feliciano was in the on the field for the Bills' offensive line, they were better. All five spots were better, not just the right guard. And there's something to be said for guys like that on your team. And I think John Feliciano is that guy for the Bills offensive line. Yeah, I'd love to see John Feliciano be a part of this Buffalo Bills team next year in the years to come. I think he just adds so much to the locker room. I think he has that oomph to to the team and, and to the locker room. I mean, when he was down and out and when he came back in for the Bills after he was healthy, so many players were saying, this is this is our guy. This is the guy who brings the juice. He's a savage. This is what we need on our team. This is what we needed on the offensive line. So I like the camaraderie that he brings. And Brandon Bean was on a PFF podcast with Chris Collinsworth and Richard Sherman a couple weeks ago. And, and he brought up a story in when he was with the Panthers and they let some guys walk in free agency who were more locker room guys and talked about how that had an effect on the locker room as a whole. And some players on the team were not happy that some important guys in the locker room walked. And so I think that's an important guy in the locker room. I don't think our guys would be happy if they let John Feliciano walk. I think he's that important to our team. So that's why I'm saying John Feliciano, plus he can play wherever the hell you, you put him. He could also yeah. play on defense. I think that guy is just such a <laughs> Yeah. crazy hard-nosed player that he could have success anywhere but yeah. guys thank you so much for being on bill's pod squad we appreciate the time we appreciate the insight that you guys bring uh helping me set the table for free agency as it begins on march 17th a lot of good stuff um a lot of things to look forward to to see what the bills do uh during free agency to see if they address all the points that we talked about uh not too many there's just a couple things that need to be tweaked fixed uh and we know brandon bean and sean mcdermott they're the gurus on this stuff so they know what's best for the team they know what players are going to be best for the team they know what guys are best to re-sign so i'm excited it's been nice to have a, a couple weeks of of not that much info breaking at least on buffalo's side but i'm also ready uh to get busy again so Plus appreciate two. the time fellas thanks maddie good stuff maddie good stuff enjoy Thank you all for joining in on this week's episode of Bill's Pod Squad presented by the New York Lottery. Thanks for helping me lay out what free agency is going to look like. Things could get in interesting in the next couple of weeks, but we'll be back next week. So stay tuned for another episode of Bill's Pod Squad.